The following message was recorded at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. More information can be found online at Bethlehem.Church. Our sermon text this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 39 through 56. If you're using a Blue Pew Bible that's found on page 856. Luke 1, starting in verse 39. Hear the word of the Lord. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, And holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty away. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. This is the word of the Lord. We continue this morning in the Gospel of Luke, and let's recap the narrative so far in chapter 1. So... We were on this two weeks ago. The first narrative in in chapter one begins with with this. For over 400 years, God had not spoken through his prophets, and God's people eagerly awaited the arrival of the promised Savior and King, the Messiah. And the divine silence ended when God sent his angel, Gabriel, to Zechariah, a priest. And despite the age of Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth, the angel told them that they would conceive and give birth to a son. And this son would be filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb and would be God's promised messenger who would go before the Lord, before the Messiah, before the Christ to prepare the way for him. And Zechariah responded with, with unbelief. Remember, he said, How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And remember what the angel said. The angel said, 
you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words. Soon after, Elizabeth conceived and kept her pregnancy hidden for about five months. Then last week, Pastor Rene preached from the account in which Gabriel, same angel, was sent by God to Mary, who would become the mother of Jesus. And remember his greeting. <laughs> Greetings, O favored one. <laughs> the Lord is with you. And I'm thinking, the text says Mary was perplexed. Like, are you talking to me? He explained that God's favor and blessing would be uniquely on her. It's not lost on me. She's a young teenage woman, poor, not even like Elizabeth. She's not the wife of a priest. She's a poor peasant girl. And the angel says, you will conceive and bear a son and call his name Jesus and he will be great and he will be the son of the most high God and he will reign on David's throne forever and ever over all. And unlike Zechariah, she did not say, how shall I know this? How shall I know what you're saying is true? It's not how she responded, remember? She responded, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Like, how's this going to happen? She doesn't doubt that it's going to happen. How's this going to happen? And the angel explains to her, I mean, it's, it's kind of amazing, you know, a couple of sentences. Oh, by the way, for the first time in history, the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow a human being, you, and you will conceive by the Holy Spirit and give birth to the Son of God. <laughs> wow. And Mary replies, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And then before the angel departed, he informed her that her aging relative Elizabeth, who was barren all her life, was now in her sixth month of pregnancy. And hearing that, the, the, the angel left, and hearing that, Mary, the text says, hastily went on a journey to go to see Elizabeth. That's where we are in the narrative. Now, so my outline is just simply these two events in Mary's visit to, to uh, Elizabeth. First, the greeting, and the greeting in summary is, is, is a little brief greeting from Mary to Elizabeth and a big, awesome, grace-filled response from Elizabeth and baby John the Baptist. And then the second event is the Magnificat, Mary's song of praise. You know why it's called the Magnificat? Because the first word in Latin Echoes with magnificat, magnify. So th that's our outline, the greeting and then the magnificat. And uh, my aim, I mean, my aim, it, it's totally supernatural. It's, it's totally new covenant. My aim, I'll, I'll read it how I wrote it. My aim is that we, 
might not have the unbelief of Zechariah. My aim is that we might have the faith of Mary who believes the word of God and humbly submits to God in faith and sings for joy from her soul, magnifying the Lord and lives accordingly. Totally supernatural. I can't do it. You can't do it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you can do it. You did it by your grace and the power of your word and spirit in Mary and in Elizabeth. And now come and enable us to trust you, believe you and your word, and thereby magnify you in the depths of our souls with joy. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So now the greeting. Arriving at the home of Zechariah and Elizabeth, Mary greeted them first in proper deference, cultural deference, due to their age and position. She greets them first. Not much is said about that, verse 40. But then immediately God shifts the honor and attention not to Elizabeth, but to Mary. First by the response of Elizabeth's baby. Verse 41. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. You know, I mean, it's, it's well known today that babies in utero can hear. They hear music. They hear voices of mother and father. Uh, I remember one of, I can't remember which one of our sons and his wife had a baby, and the baby was crying, and, and dad spoke. And the baby stopped to listen. <laughs> Babies can hear. Hearing the voice of Mary, baby John, who was filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb inside of Elizabeth, <laughs> cannot help but leap for joy. He's, he's moving around, kicking around. He's fulfilling his God-given purpose to say, that one is the Christ. The, the one inside of Mary. And then filled with the Holy Spirit, he, he, one of the things about the Gospel of Luke, Luke constantly is pointing us out to the work of the Holy Spirit. I've not said that. It's all over the book of Acts. It's all over the Gospel of Luke. It's all over chapters 1 and 2. Baby John, filled with the Holy Spirit, kicks. His mother... Filled with the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth here now, verse 41, in a loud prophetic voice, like a prophet, <laughs> she speaks, honoring Mary for the grace God has granted her to be the mother of the Son of God. Verse 42, blessed are you, Mary, among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? These are humble, grace-spotting people. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her. 
from the Lord. In other words, Elizabeth is just speaking blessings, spotting grace in, in Mary. You're blessed among all the women of the earth. You have been chosen to give birth to the mother of my Lord, the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. And it's a blessing, it's a grace that you believed. And I'm imagining Mary just totally overwhelmed with all this. Just loud and clear, God has been telling her of his massive, undeserved grace and favor coming on her, on her. Ordinary, poor, young, teenage girl chosen to bear the Son of God. The the angel said it. He declared it. Your baby would be conceived not by man, not by Joseph, but by the Holy Spirit. He will be named Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. He'll be the greatest human being of all time, the son of the Most High God. He, will be, he is the long-awaited Messiah, the Christ. He's destined to reign on David's throne as Lord of all in righteousness reigning over all heaven and all earth forever and ever, and the unborn baby kicks to validate the, the reality of the truth of the word, and then Elizabeth does this blessing thing. I'm just thinking, Mary's going, and you know what happens? Overwhelmed with this grace of God coming upon her, she cannot help but sing. <laughs> I love it. She busts out into singing. And it's real. It's not a Hollywood musical. She cannot contain herself. And it's clear. She knows the Bible. She knows the Psalms. She knows the song of Hannah in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2. And stirring all this together, her, her biblical understanding with the words from the angel and the reality of the situation, she knits it together into a song. And she sings the Magnificat. Verse 46. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. First notice that Mary's song originates. Where where does it originate? In her soul. In her soul. It's in her spirit. The song comes from her heart. She rejoices and magnifies the Lord. She, I mean, I, I pray that we be like Mary because she embodies the antithesis of the kind of worship that God hates. You know the kind of worship God hates? These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Mary's the opposite of that. Her soul magnifies the Lord. Her spirit rejoices in God. The head and the heart, the spirit and truth are conspiring together to, to embody the kind of worship that God says that the Father's seeking. 
in my sermon preparation, I don't usually do this because it doesn't usually work out this way. I, um, I thought I'd do a little investigation, and so I went on my iTunes, and I looked up Johann Sebastian Bach's Magnificat. <laughs> I, I love all kinds of music, and, uh, and yet I have to say, I'm a guitar player. Like, I, you know, I don't read the dots. I just sing and play the guitar. I don't sing like this, you know. I don't, that's not me. But I'm telling you, Bach's musical masterpiece, the Magnificat, is awesome. With musical skill and a worshiping heart, he wove together the biblical text, this biblical text of Mary's song, into a musical score, utilizing five vocal parts and a Baroque orchestra. And, and despite the Latin transition, I had, I had the Latin, it, these movements that correspond with the verses, I had the Latin, I had the English. <laughs> despite the Latin, I'll tell you what was what struck me, what I took away from that little exploration, Bach got it right with the total exuberance and joy with which Mary sang as she began in verse 1. It's happy. You don't even need to know Latin <laughs> to know that's a happy song. And I know what she's singing if you just look at our text. He got it, and I just stepped that. This is a happy song. I mean, when you read this, go home and read it again. Just, this is an overwhelmingly joyful song of praise to God from the soul, from the spirit of the mother of Jesus. God, give us grace to worship like this. What does it mean to magnify the Lord? What she means is that within her soul, within her soul, she's joyfully embracing the bigness, the greatness of the glories and immense worth of God in the gladness of her heart. Pastor John has used a very helpful, sticky illustration for me on what it means to magnify the Lord. And he, he uses the illustration of the difference between a telescope and a microscope. Some of you remember this probably. In fact, if you're subscribed to the Fresh Words podcast from Pastor John, I, I, I looked it up just to quote what he says from one of the books or it's in, it's in this podcast. It's scheduled to, to air tomorrow, at least as I see it. November 27th, How to Magnify God. Fresh words. You can read the whole thing yourself or listen to it tomorrow. But here's the illustration quoting from the manuscript. Telescope, microscope. Quote, there are two kinds of magnifying. Microscope magnifying and telescope magnifying. The one makes a small thing look bigger than it is. And the other makes a big thing look as big as it really is. 
So when David says, or I might add when Mary says, I will magnify God with thanksgiving. He does not mean I will make a small God look bigger than he is. He means I will make a big God begin to look as big as he really is. I will make a big God begin to look as big as he really is. Magnify the Lord. Mary's magnifying the Lord like a telescope, like a singing telescope, like a happy singing telescope. Singing of the greatness of God that all might see God's greatness and glory and awesomeness. And notice that that in the first two verses of her song, she expresses in her own words the first question, the, the question, no, the answer to the first question in the Westminster Confession, shorter catechism. What is the chief end of man? Catechism answers to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Or as we've said around here, to glorify God by enjoying him forever. Mary, what's the chief end of man, of humanity, of men and women? To magnify the Lord joyfully forever from her souls. She's got it. To live in such a way as to think and feel and act and display that God is as big as he really is, like a happy telescope. And it's precisely because this magnifying is going on in her heart that, she, that she's singing. It's coming out of her voice, in her, in her mouth, in song. And then she, she, she lists, she traces three reasons for her rejoicing soul, that her soul is magnifying the Lord. Number one, because the Lord has blessed me. Notice that her praise is very personal here. Verse 48, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. That's her. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. Verse 49, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Her praise is very personal. She is blown away with the undeserved grace and favor of God. She knows who she is. She knows she's a humble, poor teenage girl. And yet God has lavished his grace upon her. She's not rich or powerful. She's not famous. Her parents have no. I mean, people today would, would hear her talking about herself, humble state of her servant, you know, lowly. They would say, little, little girl, you need some counseling. You've got to beef up your self-esteem. You must be really depressed. And, you know, she's, she would respond, magnify the Lord with me. You know, she, she's not depressed. She's extremely happy, overwhelmingly happy because the eyes of God Almighty have looked upon her. 
with mercy and favor and grace and omnipotent power and unfailing promise. She's happy. Humble and happy. We are not worshipers of Mary. We don't pray to Mary, we pray to Jesus who intercedes for us in the Holy Spirit. But we're not Mary bashers. We, I mean, along with Elizabeth, we, we see, wow, God has blessed Mary to be the mother of Jesus and It's not lost on me that she will take up her cross. And this magnifying spirit, this heart of worship will be pierced when her son is crucified. And then she will gather with the disciples in Acts, the beginning of Acts, Acts chapter 1. And she will celebrate the resurrection. She's one of the disciples. And oh, how I pray to worship and trust and believe and love God like she does. Second reason she gives is because God has mercy for all who fear him. You know, lest her readers, lest her, her hearers think his grace is only for her, she expands her praise to rejoice in God's graciousness to others. Verse 50. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has shattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. She's singing of her insight into the merciful, gracious dealings of God with his people. I mean, one of the ways God displays his magnificence, his glory, is by exalting those who fear him and opposing those who don't. God's mercy is for those who fear him, those who come to him in humble faith, like like Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the hungering and thirsting for righteousness. God shows mercy to those who come to him in fear of his wrath and in awe of his power and his holiness and seek his mercy and help and grace and forgiveness. Those people, God exalts. God lifts up. Conversely, he will bring down in judgment those who trust in their own wisdom over God's, those who trust in their own money, resources more than God, those who flaunt their sinful wickedness in prideful conceit 
over God's righteousness and holiness. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He satisfies those who hunger for him. But the self-satisfied, the proud, people who don't need him, he sends away empty and leaves them for judgment. She sees it. This is how God works to his glory in his holiness. So Mary praises God that God is that kind of God. She magnifies him for being that kind of God with all humility and joy in her heart. And the third reason she sings here is because God is faithful to his covenant people. Verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. God has promised his covenant mercy, his hesed, it's the Hebrew word, his loving kindness, his steadfast love, sometimes it's translated to a thousand generations of his people who love him and trust him and keep his commands. God had promised Abraham to to bless his people and that they would be a blessing to all the peoples of the earth. So she's praising God that God's doing that. She sees, she, she knows the birth of her son, the Messiah, the Son of God is in fulfillment of God's covenant loving kindness to his people. And he will bless his people and through his people bless the world as he promised. So she praises God, magnifies the Lord. And the account concludes then, verse 56, where it says, after staying with Elizabeth for Three months, it seems like right about up to the time when Elizabeth is going to give birth. It doesn't say that she stayed for the birth or not. We just don't know. Mary Mary returned to her home. And uh, we're going to pick it up there next week. Pastor John will be preaching. And Elizabeth and Zechariah will have a baby (laughs) in their old age, according to the promise. I want to close with, I just wrote down questions this morning. And, and they're, they're questions with a prod. <laughs> they're, they're questions with a poke that God might give us grace to magnify him in our souls and trust him like, like Mary in this text. I'll just ask the questions and then I'll pray. Do you believe God and trust his word is true even when you cannot exactly see how he will prove true to his word and faithful to you? Do you trust God even when the path ahead is unclear and difficult and it's, and it's not your plan? 
but it's God's? Do you seek out the mutual encouragement of other believers? Like, like Mary, you know, this is a multi-day trip for a 13 or 14-year-old girl to go on. Do, do you seek out mutual encouragement of other believers who are trusting God with you, even if it takes effort and intentionality? Whether you I, I really want a special grace to land on teenage girls this morning and teenage boys. Are you a young teenage girl like Mary or a teenage boy? Or, or are you an older woman like Elizabeth or, or a man like Zechariah? Are you taking hold of God's mission for your life, his particular calling and awesome purpose to make much of himself in your life and joyfully magnify him like a happy telescope? Are you saturated with the word of God and the promises of the scriptures that assure us over and over again that God gives grace to the humble and he's faithful to his people. To those who receive, who have received Christ by faith. God is faithful. Are, are you saturated with his word so that when the things happen in this world, in your life, that you, you make sense out of them through the scriptures? And sing, like Mary. I, mean, I, thought, I thought of this, you know, like, you're, you're not going to become like a person like Mary by your Twitter feed, apart from the Word of God, unless the Twitter feed is feeding you the Word of God. You're not going to become a person like Mary from your blog post or from the news or from... She's saturated in Bible so that she hears the word. She filters it into the Bible in her head and in her heart and she busts out in heartfelt magnifying of the Lord and praise. Do you, do you know what it is to magnify the Lord in your soul? Do you know what it is to rejoice in the Lord in your spirit, in your heart? That quite apart from singing the song, maybe before you sing the song, and even as you sing the songs, and as you pray, do you know what it is in your reading of the Bible, in your devotions, in your study, in your worship? Lord, grant us grace to, to know what it is to magnify you in our souls that our spirits might rejoice in you. And then we sing with a heart that accords with what we're singing. And then we pray with a heart that accords with what we're saying. And then we teach 
with a heart that accords with what we're teaching. Does Mary's song express your mission at home, at work, at school, and even when you're all alone, when nobody's around, to live like a happy telescope, gladly magnifying the Lord Jesus Christ and displaying his greatness and glory for all to see to the praise and glory of God. May God bless us with grace to so live. Father in heaven, thanks for this text. Thanks for our sister, Mary. Thank you for Mary's son, our Savior, our Lord. Grant all these graces that I've been talking about to be poured out upon us as your people. Shape us, mold us, work in us, gather us to delight in you from the depths of our hearts and to live accordingly, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without written permission from Bethlehem Baptist Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at Bethlehem.Church or write us at 720-13th Avenue South, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55415. Bethlehem Baptist Church, spreading a passion for the supremacy of God in all things, for the joy of all peoples, through Jesus Christ.